Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Mae McCarthy, who is a best-selling author, speaker, university lecturer, and angel investor. She is the author of the best-selling book, The Path to Wealth, and her newest title, The Gratitude Formula, a seven-step success system to create a life that you love, which we are discussing today. May, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So what inspired you to put the gratitude formula together? Yeah, I wrote the gratitude formula after I finished my first book, The Path to Wealth, and I had traveled all over the world uh, speaking at different locations and teaching workshops and retreats and things like that. And what I found is that lots and lots of people were having great success with the system that I describe in The Path to Wealth for the goals that they believed were possible. But for those goals that they didn't believe were possible, they were giving up. And what I wanted them to know is that they didn't have to do that. What they could do is do some things to shift their belief system, their mental equivalence. They could do some things in a systematic way to elevate their level of expected good so that they could receive even those goals that they didn't believe were possible at the beginning. So when you're talking about these goals that are impossible, what what do you mean by that? Well, for instance, I'll I'll just give you an example. Um, One of my friends, uh, a dear friend now, had come to one of my workshops, and one of her goals was to be completely healthy, to avoid any sort of disease that seemed to have been hereditary in her family. Her, her grandparents, her parents, and even her oldest sibling had all been diagnosed with diabetes as adults. And she was told ever since she was a little kid that she was going to have diabetes and that she better just prepare for it. Well, she hadn't been diagnosed yet, and she really didn't want to experience that. So she started using this success system that I described to revisit her goals every single day, speak them out loud with gratitude as though she were already achieving the good health that she wanted. In that process, she started to feel a little fraudulent. You know, she was thinking, gosh, if if medical science says that I have to have diabetes and my family who love me say I have to have diabetes, then who am I to go against that? And those fraudulent feelings are normal. So what I asked her to do, in addition to doing the daily success practice of writing down her goals, reading them out loud, and imagining being in that healthy body, I asked her to go find stories about other people who had been able to avoid terrible diagnosis or who had gotten diagnosed with something awful and then were somehow able to reverse that and become healthy. And as she started to read stories and meet people at meetups and go to health seminars and meet people live and hear what their journeys were like, she got very familiar with the possibility 
that she too could be healthy. And as she started to shift her belief to possibility, then she was able to be guided and directed by this wonderful inner wisdom, this this source of intuition that guided her to different uh, groups, to different healthcare providers, nutritionists, uh, friends to go hiking with. And in a matter of about six months, she was able to lose 40 pounds. And her doctor said, you don't ever have to be diagnosed with diabetes if you keep up a healthy lifestyle. You know, she felt very fraudulent, and she was going to give up on the goal. Mm-hmm. And I asked her not to. And in the gratitude formula, we talk a lot about shifting beliefs to possibility, so that those intuitive directions that come from you know a source greater than ourselves can be noticed and can be followed. I, I like what you just said, shifting beliefs to possibility. Um, that's a really powerful statement. Uh, you know, I think, um, and I, I've seen this a lot where people are, are stuck in, you know, the thought, if we use um, health as the example, um, because that is what I talk about, <laughs> um, that, you know, we're stuck with with this and that's the way it's going to be. And, and shifting belief to possibility means that we can be different, which is what you talk about. Um, but I, I think that a lot of people don't always think of it that way. And um, uh, I thank you for, for for bringing this forward so people can make those changes. Yeah, I, I believe that we have an opportunity, um, each and every one of us, we're incredibly powerful. I mean, we have, we have used systems for success our whole lives. You know, think about when we learned to ride a bike. We weren't perfect the first time we got on a bike. But what we did was we practiced every day. We imagined ourselves sailing down the street with the wind flowing through our hair. We watched other people ride bikes successfully, so we knew that it was possible. And that same kind of system for success was used in learning how to drive, type on that crazy keyboard that's not even in alphabetical order, and even learning how to read. None of this came instantly. We had to, every single day we had to practice, and we had to see through other people's example that it was possible. And only then did we get to a point where we could master all those different kinds of tasks. And achieving goals is no different. Success is a system. It's not a secret reserved for only a few. But what ends up happening is when we have a goal, if we don't feel that it's possible, we tend to give up instead of making it familiar and welcome and being persistent with a daily practice to shift our beliefs into possibility. Um. So you you talked about um, an inner tuition that your friend had. What, what do you mean by that? Well, in the daily practice that I describe, I ask people to first thing in the morning, right when they wake up, before they turn on the news or look at social media or anything like that, to have a 25 to 30 minute meeting with themselves. And in that meeting, they're going to read for about five to ten minutes something that's uplifting. I like short stories about other people having the success that I want to achieve. 
then for 10 minutes write out a gratitude letter and in that gratitude letter you're going to be grateful for all these things that you have and all the things that you want but instead of saying i'm grateful that i want to lose 10 pounds or or um i want to get out of debt you would shift your words so your gratitude statements would be in the form of identifying those goals as already complete. So instead of I want to lose 10 pounds, you would say I'm so grateful that I am physically fit, trim, toned, energetic, and a healthy body. Or I'm so grateful that I'm financially free with a minimum or more of X number of dollars and the freedom to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. So you describe the goal with gratitude as though it's already completed. Then for five minutes, read your letter that you just wrote, speak it out loud, and any school teacher will tell you that when you do that, it anchors the meaning more fully within you. And then finally, pick one of your goals and close your eyes and imagine seeing yourself in the movie, in that healthy body, in that financially free life. In those harmonious relationships with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your community, having that wonderful recreation that is completely supported and paid for. Whatever your goals are, see yourself in one of them, a different one each day. And then get up and go throughout your day. And what ends up happening is as you've programmed your brain, first thing in the morning, you've primed it for success. We have a tendency that whatever we put into our minds first thing in the morning, we start to notice evidence of those things occurring or some sort of um, evidence that, that it's possible. And what I mean by that is think about the last time that you maybe wanted to buy a car. As you thought about that car and you dreamed about that car, and maybe you narrowed down all the different models of cars to one or two models. Maybe you even test drove that car. Don't you start to see that car driving around everywhere on the road? You never noticed that car before, and now you can see it everywhere. So your subconscious is going to illuminate possibilities. And then, in addition to that, your intuition is going to give you some inspiration to take steps along a path to achieve those goals. So you might get a gut instinct to go somewhere, to do something. You might uh, have a strong thought of someone, and that means you should call them or contact them. So whatever your intuition is telling you you should do, if you feel comfortable, take the step and do it. If you feel unsure, just simply go quiet and ask that inner wisdom, that, that source of intuition, for another lead, and you'll get one. Uh, you know, I, I've um, definitely done this in my life, and it, it has been um, something that I, I believe is really important for me, that if I'm not sure what to do with something, I 
I sit with it and think about it, which is the same as what you're advising people to do. And I know that eventually something will come my way, an idea or a person. Um, And, you know, it's actually quite powerful because um, I find if I if I force it, if I try to make it happen before I have all the knowledge or the information or the right person, it it doesn't come the way it's supposed to. Um, But if I wait for what feels right, as as you're saying, you know, listening to that intuition, um, it seems to flow really nicely and fall into place as long as I'm doing what feels right for me. Yeah, and interestingly enough, our rational minds are always trying to talk us out of stuff. You know, if we get a strong thought to do something or to go somewhere, and our rational mind cannot see what the outcome of that will be, it tries to stop us. You know, it's it's uh, Albert Einstein. This is not a new idea. Albert Einstein referred to it years and years ago. He said that we all have an intuitive mind, and it's a gift. But we also have this rational mind, and it's a servant. It'll do whatever we tell it we want it to do. But somehow in our society, we've ended up deciding to honor this rational mind, and we've forgotten the gift. You know, whenever we have a question about anything, what do we do? We Google it. We look up all the information that we possibly can. We talk to our friends and family about it. We talk to subject matter experts about it. We analyze it, evaluate it, and determine every possible outcome for every possible step. And if we don't like any of the outcomes, often we do nothing. And that's not the way that this system works. What we have to do is stop doing nothing. We have to take a step. Just as an example of that, I had in one of my businesses, um, I've done, you know, seven different startup companies, and my largest was about $120 million in annual revenues. And one of my startup companies, we were pretty young, you know, there's just a handful of us working, and we're all out trying to figure out how to get more customers, and our customers were large hospital systems. So I found myself in Cleveland to meet with one of our current customers who were going to expand services with us. And I have a routine. I get off a flight, I get my bags, I get my car, I go to the hotel, drop everything off, and then I go to the closest grocery store to get protein shakes and water and things that I need for my stay. I found myself in the car ready to go to the grocery store that I knew was five minutes away. And all of a sudden, I had this very strong thought of a grocery store that I knew was 15 minutes away. Now, my rational mind right jumped right in there and said, May, 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 don't you even think about driving across town at 9 o'clock at night. Your appointment's at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. You're going to be way too tired. You should just go to the closest grocery store and get what you need. That's how our rational mind works. But I've been doing this a long time, so I figuratively stomped my foot, and I gave my source of intuition an actual title in my company. I call it the Chief Spiritual Officer or CSO. So I said, hey, CSO, if I'm supposed to go to that other grocery store, tell me why. Well, that allowed my intuitive mind, which Albert Einstein referred to, to chime in. And it did. It said, you know, it's only 6 o'clock in Seattle. Not, You know, it's 9 o'clock here, but it's only 6 o'clock in Seattle. You can't go to sleep anyway. It's too early. And who knows? Maybe everything you want will be on sale at the other store. Why don't you just make the drive? So I did. 
as I was walking into the grocery store, there was a man who I recognized walking out at exactly the same time. I met him six months before at a trade show. He represented a very large hospital system, and he had not returned any of my phone calls or emails for an appointment, and here we are face-to-face. Well, we strike up a conversation, and before the end of the conversation, he said that it would be okay to come and make a presentation to him and his group while I was in Cleveland. Well, that presentation led to another and another, and I was easily able to meet my goal, which I had been writing about and speaking about every day, of a minimum or more of $400,000 in increased revenue. We were able to meet that with one contract from him in the time that I had wanted it to happen. So it, sometimes the intuition guides us to do things that, doesn't, that don't make sense, but if we have courage like Steve Jobs of Apple had said. He said, you have to have courage to follow your intuition. If we have courage to follow it, it can, it can lead us to achieve the goals that we have in really, really strange ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about this more. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're talking today with Mae McCarthy, and she's the author of The Gratitude Formula, and we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. 
everybody. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Mae McCarthy, and she's the author of The Gratitude Formula. You know, maybe before the break, you were talking about following intuition, and, you know, I think that this is really important to touch on. Um, I, I think that my ability to do this is actually a gift, and um, it's very nerve-wracking if you don't trust it. And there have been times in my life where I've kind of lost that trust, and I realized that, that I did the wrong thing because I didn't trust that so you know I make it a, a real good point of, of listening to that little voice that says you know you're not doing the right thing or this doesn't feel good but you know it, it's very difficult I, th- I think you have to be you know taught that or you have to be in a safe environment especially when you're growing up to know that that's okay to do you know which is how I grew up um, I'm just wondering if that's something that you experience when you're coaching people and talking to people about this well it does take practice i agree with you it in in our society as i mentioned in the last segment our society values data and you know it's data 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 it's all coming at us and we we uh, appreciate and value expert opinion and we value things that can be proved and unless you have learned to practice this I mean, think about it, if you've never, ever learned how to ride a bike, and now you're an adult, and you're going to learn how to ride a bike, you still have to go through exactly the same thing that a little kid that's learning to ride a bike went through. I mean, to balance on two little wheels that aren't very wide, that's really difficult to do unless you practice, 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 and figure out where your center of balance is. So you're going to crash multiple times and then you get back on and you do it again and again and again and again until you can ride so expertly that five years, ten years can go by and you could still get back on a bike and be able to balance because you've practiced it. You mastered the situation through repetition and that's what you have to do when you're starting this practice. It's going to feel a little awkward at first, and that's one of the reasons why in my books I refer to that source of intuition as the chief spiritual officer, but you can call it whatever you want. But I decided to bring that source of intuition into my business, and I surround myself with people whose advice I value in my C-suite. I've got a chief financial officer, a chief operating officer, a chief marketing officer, and the list goes on, and I decided that this intelligence that's available to each and every one of us, I wanted to make sure I brought that into our business and I let my employees know that they could access that intelligence by following some very simple steps. The most important thing is to understand your roles and responsibilities. Your job, my job, is to recognize what it is that I want and to be able to word it powerfully with gratitude as though it's already done, as though I already have it, as though I already experience it. The CSO's job, this, this intelligence in the universe, this intuitive source, is to point the way and to give me one step to take at a time on a path that it creates for me to achieve my goal. I take the step, 
Or if I feel uncomfortable, I just ask for another lead. I ask for another sign. I ask for another message. Eventually, I'll get one, and I take a step, and and lo and behold, I'm getting that much closer to my goal. And then when I reach it, I get to celebrate. But I'm not the only one. And, and you, I'm so happy that you say that you rely on your intuition as well because some very, very famous and successful people say that their success is due to relying on intuition as well. I mean, Bill Gates, um, founder of Microsoft, he said often you have to rely on your intuition. You have to. You have to follow that gut instinct or, or take action on that strong thought or idea. And Oprah Winfrey, one of the most influential women of our time, she said that she's listened to and and adhered to the instructions of that still small voice of intuition her whole life. And the only times that she made mistakes is when she didn't listen, when she didn't take action. So lots of people that are very successful rely on intuition. And it is something that people can learn to do. And this system that I describe in the gratitude formula and the path to wealth essentially shows you how, in a really easy way, to practice this. It will get easier over time, just like riding a bike, just like driving a car, and just like typing on that keyboard. Um, well, I, I definitely agree with you. You know, I, I wouldn't have this radio show if it wasn't actually about exactly what you're talking about, which is really funny. I had set a goal to uh, be able to share information more about what I do so that people could understand more about their health. And I was trying to figure out a way to do that. And then I got a call to, to do this show. And I'm over 180 shows later, I'm still here. And, you know, I get, yeah, and I, I get very excited that I can share this information with other people so that they can change their lives and have the power to do so and and this is what you're doing as well as giving people the power to change their life you're not stuck where you are and if you you know it's not going to be easy either it's not going to change overnight you're not going to snap your fingers and or wave a magic wand and suddenly have everything that you want because everything that is worth that takes some work anyway and and you know you do outline that in your book the amount of work that has to go into listening to this voice and and making these goals and and understanding what you're working towards and what you actually want cuz a lot of people don't know that either yeah I, I I like I said earlier in the in the introduction I I travel around the world a lot to speak and teach at some public events and many private events uh, groups of people hire me to come in and one of the things that I always amazes me is how people use their words and then are surprised at what the outcomes are For instance, um, I had a salesperson that worked for me in one of my companies, and she was dead last in the quota of sales uh, in the sales team. So she, she had sold the least amount of products. And usually in sales organizations, periodically you do a churn, and you, you let the least performing salesperson go. Because, you know, this may not be the right place for them to work, and there may be a better place for them to go elsewhere. 
but I liked this saleswoman. She was fabulous. She was so personable. She was really nice. And so I, I called her up and I said, I'm going to come work with you. Now, this is kind of unusual because I was the CEO of the company, not the sales manager, not the vice president of sales. I was the CEO, but I liked her. I knew she could, she could do well. So I flew up to California to work with her. And what I kept hearing coming out of her mouth was, in fact, causing her to be last. She would say things like, I hope I'm not late for an appointment. I don't want to make a bad impression. Or, gosh, I hope that um, I'm not misunderstood so that my customer buys from my competitor. What happens when you make statements like that is your subconscious is, is very unemotional, and it will make a picture of what you've described. So she was describing being late, making a bad impression, and losing business to her competitor. That's what her subconscious made a picture of. Her fears, her I hope this doesn't happen, actually came true. So I helped her to recognize that, and we came up with new statements like, I'm so grateful that I'm always early or on time for my appointments, and I'm easily understood when I convey the value proposition of what we have to offer to really help our customer to accomplish their goals. We easily and joyfully facilitate a fair exchange of value. We provide superior products with superior service, and our customers love us so much that they tell other potential customers to buy from us too. So we shifted her words, and I had her make those kinds of declarations out loud. We wrote them down on Post-it notes and pieces of paper, and she had them all over her car and her home, and you know she had a home office, and she kept saying these things over and over and over again. And within six months, she became the top salesperson. And our top salespeople, because we were selling really expensive capital equipment, our top salespeople make almost a million dollars a year. She went from last to first simply by shifting her words. Hmm, that's really powerful. Yeah. Well, it, our subconscious will actually help us to make whatever's coming out of our mouth true. I had a real recent, I just wrote about this in my newsletter this month, and it's really kind of embarrassing considering, you know, my position, but my, my husband was finishing a PhD, and we had had some trips over the last couple of years, and it's very hard for him to do his PhD work if we're traveling on vacation or something like that. So I mentioned to him, with great love and respect, that I wasn't going to plan any trips for us, any fun trips for us, until after he was finished, because he was so close to finishing. You know, I didn't want it to be a distraction. Well, I started declaring that last February. And lo and behold, in about June or July, I scheduled a trip for us to go to a family reunion on August 4th. And we went to an auction and bought an auction item that was a trip to Canada in mid-August. So without even thinking, I just went ahead and scheduled those. 
Well, by August 3rd, he was not done with his PhD yet. He was like a half a week away. His defense was the following week. Guess what happened? I stepped on my cap by accident and fell forward with my arms very, very heavy with a lot of bulky things and broke my shoulder. So I wasn't able to go on either of those trips. And he finished his PhD right after the second trip would have been in process. My words ended up aiding this accident. I'm a big believer in cause and effect, and our words are more powerful than we think. Now, had I, starting in June, when I booked these trips, had I started saying things like, uh, with the exception of these family obligations, you know, I won't book (laughs) vacations, with the exception of these family obligations where we have a wonderful time, um, I could have probably prevented that from happening. Well, that was very catastrophic <laughs> to break your shoulder. Um, but I think, it, it, you know, sometimes that is what what can happen and we don't realize, you know, we kind of start and stop and, and fail at, at things, not realizing, um, you know, that we're distracted or not paying attention to our goal that we have in sight or the people around us as well. You know, you your husband had a goal and there was trips booked, even though he could have finished within that, that time frame, I think. Um, would have been weighing on him if he'd gone on the trip. So you can see where where it's, you know, having that being, being positive, but also the thinking about everything around you, as you're saying, to, to kind of have it fall into place and, and be what needs to happen at the same time. I don't know if I'm making sense there. Oh, sure you are. In fact, I used to, I used to tell people that one example, you know, if you go around and say, I don't want to break my leg, I don't want to break my leg, I don't want to break my leg. You know, if you walk around for a week saying that, guess what, you're going to break your leg because your subconscious doesn't hear, I don't want. It just makes a picture of breaking the leg. And I had, for months and months and months, had this wonderful picture of my husband finishing his goal. I mean, I was trying to be loving and supportive. But because I had declared to the universe that we were not going on any vacation trips. I went on lots of business trips, but we weren't going to go on a vacation trip because I didn't want to put that burden on him while he was trying to finish something that was so important to him. And as I did that in love and understanding, the universe doesn't care. The universe knows that whatever comes out of your mouth is a declaration of what you want to manifest. So we have to be very, very careful with our words, just like my salesperson. She had to be very, very careful with her words. Otherwise, she would have continued to be late. She would have continued to make a bad impression, and she would have continued to lose business to competitors. So... um I think that, you know, it's really important to talk about this. And when we're dealing with this and we're, you know, let's say you have that fear that if I do this, if I walk down the stairs, I'm going to break my leg and you're trying to change that. How can we deal with that, that longstanding fear that we've had for so long so that we can, can change our thought patterns? Um, Well, one thing that I have found useful is, is speaking out loud I mean, you can try a little experiment for yourself, and that is think something negative or fearful, and then say something contrary to that out loud. 
what will take your what will get your attention is whatever you're speaking out loud. Your spoken word always wins out. So if you're thinking something fearful like, oh my gosh, I don't want to trip down the stairs and break my leg. If you say out loud, I'm so grateful that I'm balanced. I'm strong. I always hold myself in a very balanced way and move through life with ease and grace. I'm whole, healthy, and complete. If you say that out loud, you can't be thinking the fearful thought at the same time. So you may need to repeat that affirmation over and over and over and over again to drown out that fearful thought. What will happen is that fearful thought, especially after an accident like I've had, that fearful thought may come up frequently. So you're going to have to say something out loud that's contrary to that repeatedly. But the next day that fearful thought will come up less and the next day it will be less, and the next day it will be less, and eventually you won't have that fearful thought anymore. It will just know that it's going to get drowned out, so don't even come up. But it will take some time, and it will take a lot of out loud declarations that I am whole, healthy, and complete, always strong and balanced. I easily move through life with great ease and joy, and my path is always clear. You know, that's uh, very powerful. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Mae McCarthy, and we're discussing her book, The Gratitude Formula, and we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Mae McCarthy, and we're discussing her book, The Gratitude Formula. So, Mae, when we're, um, you know, going through all of this, we talked about goal setting, but I think one thing that can be very difficult is to even know what our purpose is, like where we want to go. How can we figure that out? Oh, I love purpose. Purpose actually is the fuel, the passion for what you should be doing in life. 
And so purpose is the why that you exist. Not what you do, but why you're here to do what you do. And there's also a purpose for your company. You know, whether you own the company or whether you're an employee of a company, um, it's been found in lots of different studies, even some published in the Harvard Business Review, that if your company has a purpose, a why that they exist, which is different than what they do, they tend to be more profitable. So your why is, is easily found over, you know, set aside about two weeks and answer over the course of two weeks three questions. The first question is, what did I do when I was a kid that I lost hours and hours of time having fun? What did I used to do? I have a friend of mine, his name is Steve, and he used to take apart every little small electronic and telephones and all sorts of stuff in his house. He used to take them apart, check them out, put them back together. He loved doing that. He absolutely loved doing that. Then when he got a little bit older, he used to job shadow all of the fix-it people that came to his house, the carpenters, the painters, the plumbers, the electricians. He would see what they were doing. He'd ask questions. And then later when he was in high school, he would actually do some of the repairs because he knew so much and get all sorts of praise from his family. So those were the things that he did when he was a kid. And he lost hours. He just loved doing them. The second question is, what have other people told you that you're good at doing? A friend of mine named Susan, people have told her that what they absolutely love about her, what what she's really good at, is anytime they have some need to talk, you know, a problem or an issue that's come up, she's always so present, and she asks them lots of questions. So by the time the conversation is over, they have come up with their own answer and felt really supported and loved and appreciated. So Susan was just like the greatest champion and cheerleader and supporter of these people. That's what they told her she was really good at doing. And then the third question is, what do you think you're really good at doing? I remember asking myself that question, and what I realized that I was really good at doing was helping people be successful. I was very, very good at helping take, take really complicated ideas, making it easy for people to understand and implement so that they could achieve success greater than what they were experiencing before they met me. So over two weeks, answer those questions. What did I do when I was a kid? that I lost hours and hours having fun? What have other people told me I'm good at doing? And what do I think I'm good at doing? When you write down those answers, anything that comes to mind over a two-week period of time, then take a look at the answers. There's going to be a phrase or some words or some ideas that are common in all three of those answers. And it's that common intersection that will give you some clue to your purpose. For instance, my friend Steve, what he realized, what other people told him he was good at was helping them to solve problems. And what he felt he was really good at was figuring out a way to um, look at 
situations and come up with easy-to-implement solutions to be able to help people. So his purpose became that I use my intelligence and abilities to help people solve problems. My purpose is I bless others and I'm blessed, or I help people be successful and I'm successful. Which is, um, I think it's difficult for a lot of people to even ask themselves those questions. I think we get caught up in the expectations of what we were are supposed to be and what we are supposed to do. You know, society says you're supposed to go to school, get a career, get married, buy a house, and do all those things. And if, if you um, are, you know, being pressured to go to school to do something you don't want to do or, or, you know, those things aren't aligning with the timeline in your life you may do them anyway because of of the expectation to do that and I think that's where we can get lost in not listening to that intuition that we have well I think purpose what what people need to recognize is that what they do is different than why they're here to do what they do what I do I mean my goodness I'm an author, I'm an investor, I'm a speaker, um, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, all these things are what I do. But why do I do what I do? Well, to help others and be helped, to bless others and be blessed, to help people succeed and, and to be successful. So why you do something isn't what you do. And in a company, if you're a, a CEO or a business owner or even an executive in a company, You know, you should know what your company purpose is. It's very different than what the company does. For example, Kellogg's, we all know what the Kellogg's company does. What they do is manufacture and distribute food products. That's what they do. But if you look to see what they wrote down as their purpose, the why that they exist, it's to nourish families so they can flourish and thrive. Imagine working for Kellogg's on a manufacturing line, you know, kind of a mundane, repetitive job. Wouldn't you be more excited to do your job because you were nourishing families so they can flourish and thrive as opposed to manufacturing and distributing food products? So living your purpose and having a company and, and working for a company that has a clearly defined purpose ends up fueling your passion. In my last company, our purpose was to save lives. But what we did was we developed software and teamed it up with giant pieces of mechanical equipment to automate the drug distribution processes in hospitals. That's what we did. But why did we do it? To save lives. Because all of our medications that we managed had barcodes on them that could be validated at the bedside. So we could make sure with a barcode scan that the right patient was getting the right drug at the right time in the right form. And the 100,000 people that were dying every year in hospitals could be reduced substantially because of our helping the hospital to be more accurate. That was why we existed, to save lives. Um, you know, I, I think it's really powerful to, to figure out what your purpose is and and give that meaning. I think when you're not doing something with passion, even if you are just an employee in 
in a uh, office or for another company, you um, you know you need to believe in what you're doing, or you're not going to want to go there, and you're not going to enjoy what you're doing, and you're going to you know do you know half the job instead of the whole thing, or you know a, a good job at it because you you don't want to be there. And I think that's important for us to recognize. I've seen people you know in jobs that they you know are just like oh well it's a job and it's you know what I do and I don't really like it but it pays the bills and and you know that almost seems like a, a waste of their their energy to be there um, just because you go home and you don't feel good about what you do so how can you have satisfaction in your life right and so as part of that daily practice I mean first of all understand what your purpose is and knowing that there are jobs out there that are aren't in alignment with your purpose all right, there are absolute great paying jobs out there that are in alignment with your purpose. But understanding what your purpose is first is, is key. In addition to that, if, you're, if anybody's in a job that they aren't feeling fulfilled and satisfied and appreciated and happy, then what they should do is use that daily practice that's outlined in my books, the Gratitude Formula and the Path to Wealth, and start describing in writing every single day in their daily letter that they write that they are so grateful that they have a fulfilling and satisfying job where they feel appreciated and valued and they work with with a company who they value and appreciate as well and together they're doing really great work in the world to serve their customers their uh, all their stakeholders and that they have fun and they are rewarded financially if they start writing down that they are already experiencing that, one of two things are going to happen. Either something's going to shift at their job where they start experiencing that, or they're going to get a better job offer. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. But to be in a position that you're not happy, um, the the only person that can control that is is that person and they can shift that to something better if they start getting clear now they don't have to know where they're going to work or or for what company or what position all they have to do is express gratitude that they are fulfilled and satisfied as though they already are in the perfect job using their skills and talents in remarkable ways to to um, help their company achieve their goals and to to support their customers and their mission. You know, whatever it is that would be the descriptor of them already being in that job, that's what they want to be grateful for in advance. And things will shift and, and pathways will be made clear for them to experience just that. You know, and I, I think it also, I mean, it, it brings those pathways, but as you said in the, the first segment, you aren't aware of a car until you start thinking about a car. So when you are aware of actually what you want and you're aware of, let's say, the job that you want, um, because sometimes we don't, we just kind of go blindly through, through things. or like, okay, this came my way, I'm going to do it. But if you know exactly what you want, when it comes your way, you're going to hear it and you're going to be more open to it and you're going to know that that's what you want as opposed to oh I hadn't thought about that before mm-hmm. yeah I, I had one friend of mine she's an accounting manager at a large company and she said that um, her goal was to get a new job 
And I said, why? And she said, because I don't feel appreciated and I want to get paid more and, you know, I want to I feel more valued. I said, so you don't really want a new job. What you want is to feel more valued and appreciated and to get paid more. She said, well, yeah. I said, be grateful for that as though you already have it. So every day she started writing down, I'm so grateful that I'm using my skills and talents in remarkable and fulfilling and satisfying ways, and I feel so valued and appreciated by my company and rewarded with a minimum or more of X number of dollars um, from them. And I value working with all of my coworkers, and together we are helping our customers to thrive and prosper. I love my job. So every day she's writing that down. I asked her to do one other thing as well. I asked her to do what I call jump starting your good. And I asked her to pick one person, one person each day, at least one person, to either call, email, text, or tell in person that she appreciates them. And so she started doing that. And after about two weeks, she's like, you know, that became the highlight of my day. I picked one person, you know, she had a bunch of staff that worked for her and she had family and friends and stuff. And every day, at least one person, she would say, I just want you to know I appreciate you. Well, she started feeling really good. Well, a couple more weeks go by and she's coming out of her office to go to a meeting and right outside of her office are all of these cubicles of her staff that work for her. And as she's getting ready to go down the hall to a meeting, she sees one of the executive vice presidents of the company walking towards her. He drops to his knees in front of her and starts flailing his arms in homage, saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, and then gets up and says, thank you to you and your staff. Now, all of her staff have popped their heads up over the cubes and are watching this display. And uh, he says, thank you so much. You guys caught an error that could have cost us thousands and thousands of dollars. I am so grateful for all of you. And he arranged for all of them to get bonuses. So um, I, I love that story. I think that's a, a good lesson. Um, we are going to have to end the show. So I just want to know if if somebody has any more uh, questions or wants your book, um, how can they get a hold of you? Well, there's a whole bunch of free information. In fact, the first few chapters are free at maymccarthy.com. That's maymccarthy.com. And there's a whole bunch of free information there that they can use and get started right away. Well, that's perfect. May, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And um, if anybody listening wants more information on my story, what I went through in my journey back to health, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And um, thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 